Before I start, let me just mention about the retreat. Uh, we um, have, as of about a couple weeks ago, well over 50 people uh, signed up to go, and that's pretty much uh, most of us. So um, I will encourage you to sign up and let's, so that we can uh, have a wonderful time and retreat uh, October, I believe, is the second week. I guarantee you, October sometime, the weather is going to be just as good as yesterday and today. That's an awesome. You know, it's like a autumn in July. That's, I, don't, I don't remember having autumn in July, but it's just awesome. And I'm so glad you're here just to be able to uh, uh, just thank God and worship him on a special day, even though you want to be outside. But the priority is here. God says to come to uh, his house and to worship. I'm glad you are doing it. You know, uh, looking at that beautiful day and, and sun, you know, there's absolutely nothing uh, new under the sun. You know, these new uh, young people or old people or the millennials, if you want to say it, they're all looking for some new things, looking for new technology and new innovation, new creativity in order to be able to, you know, make name for themselves and advance their career. That's like in everybody's mind. But, you know, anything that can be seen and unseen already has been revealed through the Word of God. If you found yourself, if you ground yourself on the Word of God, all that will be given unto you. That's the promise from God. We are continuing with the series on parables. There are many, many parables in the Bible. We pick a few, and we are going to study and uh, last week we studied uh, through Pastor Ben about Good Samaritan. Now we know the story. I am not going to repeat it. But Pastor Ben made us to understand two things about Good Samaritan. One is the obvious. Basically that we are here to serve and help those who are in need. Those who are hurt. That's the obvious. Everybody can come to that conclusion reading the story about Good Samaritan. But what we fail to do well is knowing who our neighbors are. Knowing who the people that we need to help. And that's where we struggle. And towards the end of that uh, um, uh, Sunday, when I came back up here, I, can, I mentioned about the hospital that I have recently joined as a board member, which against my core fabric of my body. I, you know, with all the things that I'm doing, this is one thing, uh, a responsibility that I did not want it to have. But it was one of those things that got really convicted me that it is something that you ought to get involved. So I became a board member of Einstein Hospital here in Philadelphia. That was actually was a couple of some years ago. And I resisted and I resisted and I resisted when they called me. I don't know they were so, so insisting as to why they want me to be in the board. But after a few um, uh, meetings with them, I finally asked them, tell me about Einstein Hospital. I know most of you, if not all of you, the board members, and, and, and at least in the past, it was founded by 
the Jewish people. You're all Jews. And, and, but why do you want me in there? Obviously, I am not a Jew. I'm not Jewish. I'm a Christian. And then he explained to me about the birth of Einstein Hospital. That's when I began to understand about our neighbors. Who are our neighbors? They explained to me the Einstein Hospital was given a birth because of amazing agony and pain. You see, when we, the Jewish people, came to the United States, mostly back in 1860, 70s, 80s, like any other people, we get sick. But there's no hospital in Philadelphia area will take us because we're Jews. We had to bear our relatives, our family members, just dying, not being able to get treatment. So we decided that we need to create something for our own. It was given to us because of the pain that we had to go through. So what we began to do was we encourage our kids, our children, and say, you, son, you, my daughter, you go to medical school and you become a doctor and help us and help because others are not helping us. And you, son, you, my daughter, go to law school and find some justice in this. And they explained to me and says, Tim, I know there are lots of Jewish doctors and Jewish lawyers in the Philadelphia area. It's not because we are smarter than any other race. No, no, no. It came because of the pain that we had to endure. Then I ask the next question. Most of you don't live in inner city of Philadelphia. How come you're still located in the inner city of Philadelphia? Why don't you come out, close the hospital in the inner city, come out in a suburb where most of you are, and hopefully make more money? And he looked at me and said, because we understand now who are going through the pain. The pain, the people of the pain that the people who are going through the pain, agony, are the people of inner city right now. Yeah, they could be labeled as poor people, could be labeled as Asians, could be labeled as African Americans, <clears throat> could be Hispanic. They are our neighbors. We are determined to help. We're going to stay there and help them. We make no money in Einstein Hospital in Philadelphia area. But that's our neighbors. They touched me, you know. They are the ones who are standing on solid ground. They are the ones who are living with the Word of God. And recently they opened this Montgomery Hospital nearby. It's a beautiful new campus. And they're making lots of money there, they say. I see the book now. But they're making the money and pouring into inner city hospital. Beautiful gestures 
beautiful heart. Today's parable is about wise and foolish builders. So I also want you to know two things. I want you to walk away today with two things. The obvious. Everybody knows when you hear the story, yeah, I am going to build my house on rock. What are you, stupid to build on the sand? You don't have to be Jew. You don't have to be Christian. You don't have to be anybody to understand the obvious. I will build my house on a solid rock. Well, that's not the point of that parable. If you think that I'm going to go and build my house on a solid rock, and that's the teaching of Jesus, you are wrong. What is not obvious is about building your life on solid ground, on the Word of God. Solid rock. That's why it's parable. Solid rock is solid ground, the Word of God. It's not about the material. It's not about hard, that very rigid hard rock that gives stability to your foundation or to your column, your house. It is where and how you stand with the principle from the Word of God. Yes, of course, when you stand on the rock, you're standing on the solid ground. God, Jesus used that as a metaphor, as parable to teach what we are about to discuss. See, when you help the need like Good Samaritan, yes, you are standing on solid ground. And when you're sacrificing yourself or others, you are standing on solid ground. Do you remember the story of the Tower of Babel? They used what? Brick instead of rock. There we go again. Another, the same word that God uses to make his point through the metaphor and through the parables. The people back in the Genesis, they wanted to build this Tower of Babel, the tallest building ever. And Bible clearly indicates they use brick instead of stone. In other words, they were building on sand instead of solid rock. Rock is the word of God. So let's take a look at the word of God today. Now the importance, importance of, of this word of God on this particular parable we're going to be discussing is instead. We're supposed to go, we're supposed to go this way, we went this way. We're supposed to use stone, the rock. Instead, we use the brick. And that's how God is making emphasis to make it clear about where he stands. This Matthew that we're going to be studying now, the important word is therefore. Therefore. In the beginning, you'll see in, 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 in Matthew uh, chapter 7, 24, 
He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like wise men who build his house on the rock. Too often, we don't read the first phrase. We just look at the latter phrase. Oh, I will build my house on the rock. Hey, builder, the new house that I just ordered for you, to, the boat that I do want you to build, make sure it is on solid rock. It's far more than that. It says, therefore, and we're going to study what does God mean by therefore. Who hears this words and put into practice is like wise men who builds his house on the rock. So let's see what's happening. Out of many, many parables that there are, this is one parable that does not stand on its own. It is actually conclusion of all the things that Jesus has said prior to him making this parable. It refers to a long sermon that Jesus gave in Mount Tentop. And this parable appears in the Bible twice. Once in Luke and once in Matthew. In Luke, in one setting... Jesus telling this particular parable, in telling this parable, he builds his case just like a lawyer would before concluding his message with this parable. So let's look what they are. What did Jesus talk about at this mountaintop to his disciples, the sermon that he gave? He talked about the following things. He talked about blessings. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are who you are hunger now, for you will be satisfied. And there are eight blessings that Jesus talked about. As soon as he was done telling about these blessings, he says to love your enemies. He says, if you love the, only the people that you love, what good is it? Everybody does it, but love your enemies. Now he was on a roll. As soon as he was done telling about how to love the enemies, he says, do not judge others. And if you judge, you will surely be judged also. Now, he was not done yet with his message. He says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does bad tree bear good fruit. After telling this, he concludes with a wise and foolish builder. He begins by saying, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Jesus' emphasis is in, in Luke is do it. Like, it, like in Nike's, just do it. Do what I say. What Jesus is saying is doing is building not just your house, 
but your life on a solid ground. The conclusion of matter on Luke is this. Building your house on a solid ground, it's an obvious one. To understand what the solid ground is or are, it's more important. It is about obedience, doing what God commanded us to do. The verse says, building on a solid ground is putting the teaching into practice. And putting God's teaching into practice is building your life on a solid ground. So let's jump into Matthew's, our Bible verse. Jumping into uh, our Bible verse, Matthew 7, 24 Again, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Moving down to verse 26. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like foolish man who built his house on sand. Now, here, the structure or the format of his message is about the same. He begins to teach the crowd and disciples of his teachings. Just like in Luke, he concludes with the parable of wise and foolish builder, the Bible verse you just read. Now, let's look at the, his teaching again. In this case, in the Matthew, his teaching is much more comprehensive. He begins again in Matthew 5. He went up the mountain, beatitude, and gave this sermon to his disciples and began with the uh, eight blessings that you know very well. Then he talked about salt and light, how we need to be the light of the earth and the salt of the world. He talks about the fulfillment of the law, that Jesus did not come to abolish the law all the prophets, this, to fulfill them. Likewise, we need to put whoever practices and teaches the command will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Next, he says, do not murder. Next, do not commit adultery. Next, do not divorce except for marital unfaithfulness. Next, do not break your oath. But keep the oath you have made to the Lord. My father, as you may have heard many times before, he was not a believer when he went to, uh, uh, as a high school student soldier during the Korean War. There, he said, he was in captive, and his comrades were just being killed. And he made a decision there and said to God, God, if you give me a chance to live, I will give my life to you. And he ran, and he was the only survivor. And he kept his oath. He went to the seminary and became a pastor. And then he took uh, the ministry, uh, 
responsibility in a leper's colony where I was born and raised until I came to the United States. And for me, in the hospital, I made oath. God, if you give me another chance to live with this heart transplant that I'm going through, I will live up to love your neighbor as yourself. Understanding as yourself meant sacrifice, that I will sacrifice just as Jesus did for people around me. Next, Jesus said, you may have heard eye for eye and tooth for tooth, but I'll tell you, don't do it. Next, he said, just like in Luke, love your enemies. Next, Jesus said, give it to the needy. Next, when you pray, go into room. Jesus taught us how to pray. Close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees you what is done in secret will reward you. And then Jesus goes on to teach us about the Lord's prayer that we pray on a daily basis. He was not done yet with his message. He says, you must fast. And when you're fasting, don't boast. Do it quietly. And still more, he says, do not store up yourself treasure on earth. It's like, do not try to make name for yourselves. And for those who are constantly worrying, Jesus said, do not worry about your life. And then there were gentle reminder to those who like to gossip. Do not judge others. I'm not done yet. He said all this in sort of like one setting, in one sermon, sort of like one breath. I need this notes. I bet he didn't have this note, nor did he have uh, something like this. And to those who are seeking him in that sermon, Jesus said, ask, seek, and knock. And those who are always looking for easy way out, Jesus said, "Uh -uh, don't do it. Go through the narrow gate. And one more before his final one. Watch out for the false prophets. Watch out for for the false prophets. You will know them by their fruit. Then he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lo, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of Father who is in heaven. The will of Father, those who hears his words, puts them into practice, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And then finally, Jesus spoke about this parable, the wise and the foolish builders. But what is so powerful is the first word in that parable. It begins with, therefore. You can't just read this parable trying to think you understand everything. You have to see the whole sermon on the mountaintop. All the things that he has said. 
do this, not do this, all the thing. Therefore, therefore, anyone, anyone, I can't read. Anyone who hears these words, these words, words that I just mentioned from chapter 5 until this, puts them into practice is like wise men who built his house on the rock. Now, you may go and build your physical house on a solid rock, but in your life, if you are not putting this into practice, you are building your life, not on a solid ground, but on the sand. That's what Jesus is describing. It is the word, therefore. I remember in high school days, taking geometry class or algebra class, A equals B, B equals C. Therefore, A equals C. It's association. It's illogical. There's no ambiguity here. Therefore, now that you have heard these words, put them into practice. That means you are building your life on a solid ground. The obvious solid ground isn't just about building in hard material like in rock. It's about Solid ground is about putting all those things into practice. That life is life that is on solid ground. Now, God said all those things that I just mentioned. But God said all that in one, under one umbrella, one big, big overarching theme. Because God is love. God says, everything, all the laws, everything that I command you comes from the love of God. And he sums up this love, his law, into one statement. Love others, love neighbors as yourself. Not just simply loving and hugging but sacrificing, giving a portion of what you have to the needy, just forgiving. These are all sacrificing. You know, it takes a lot to sacrifice in forgiveness. It takes a lot not to judge others. It takes lots of sacrifice of your inner self in, in not doing so. And when you sacrifice, you are building your life on a solid ground. And Jesus said, everything that you do, do in thanksgiving. Do not be anxious. In every situation, present your request to God with thanksgiving. That's a life building on a solid ground. If I ask Loretta to come up here, why don't you come in the stage over there? And uh, I was talking to her recently, and uh, I was talking to you, Loretta, uh, the other day, and that uh, 
you were having a lot of pain, the pain that I was describing earlier about Einstein, but it was more of a physical pain. And, um, and uh, you basically uh, had in, uh, how did you uh, build yourself, uh, how did you stand on the solid ground in receiving that healing? I think it was about the thanksgiving that you had indicated to me, that you just, even though there are a lot of pain, but you give thanks. Can you just elaborate on that a little bit? Well, I was saved when I was 28. I never heard the word of God ever. I heard it on a radio and uh, driving, and it astounded me. So I looked into it. I got a Bible. Once I read that word, it came alive in me. I mean alive in me. And just to preface, my first husband moved me and my six children over 20 times all over the country. He was never happy. And I went through horrible terrible times, deprivation, no money, no food, a lot of things. But that word, that word was so solid in me that I knelt down, and when I asked Jesus to help me, he did. I wrote a book, Walking in Miracles, over 40 miracles from the time I was saved to 92. I'm writing another one from 95 to now, more miracles. But God answered in that first book, 27 times when I knelt on my knees and asked him desperately, he answered immediately, immediately. So my life is built on that word of God because I believe everything he said, what he would do for me and what I could do for him. So to go back to a month mm-hmm. ago, many miracles I've told here. I prayed for people, laid hands on. Jesus said, those that believe can lay hands on and they'll recover. Many people in here have recovered when God healed them. So we were going to a wedding, Johnny and me, on May 25th. On the 23rd, I woke up with the worst pain in my hip down to my knee that I ever had. I cried for two days. I laid my hands on. I prayed. I expected God to heal me. Nothing happened. So then I start thanking him for the healing because I know, I know. He wants to heal me. I know he wants to. His word says it. So I thanked him. I got up Saturday morning, and I was hobbling around. We were in the bedroom. All the drapes were closed. It was dark. And all of a sudden, there was a big, bright light right on my chest. It was so bright. It startled me. And I said, Johnny, there's a big bright light on my chest. Well, he believes anything I say because he's seen so much that's happened, bizarre things. And before he could sit up, it left. And I said, that had to be, that had to be something from God. There's no light in here. So to make a long story short, we got ready for the wedding. I was still in pain. Within three or four hours, totally gone, totally gone, not by my power but by the love and the power of God. And we danced. We danced and had a ball. <laughs> so the word of God is alive. If it's alive in you, he will do what he said he will do. He has done so much. And as I recall, that you, even the pain that you endure, because you believe in the word of God, which is being in the uh, uh, grounded on the solid 
uh, rock that you have also um, did everything, even during the time of uh, pain and suffering and challenges, that you were petitioning God in thanksgiving. Because when you have the attitude of giving God thanks, regardless of your situation, that is building your life on a solid ground. Also, when you receive and you believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, and it's also building your life on a solid ground. My mother felt she was betrayed by my father when they were married. My father never told her that he is going to go to leprosy colony and do minister or ministry. Well, that was back in the, uh, I don't know how long ago it was, in the um, 40s and 50s. I don't know, they can, the, the guys can, the uh, husbands can get away with something like that in the past. Probably not today. And when they were married, my, father, my mother says she followed him like 10 feet behind him and, and took the bus and came to the bus station and said, oh, this must be the place we're going to minister together. And then he would continue to walk and walk and went into rural area and then, oh, must be the, uh, a little village uh, beyond that mountain, the hillside. And then she went over the hillside and then she began to smell the odor that comes from the leprosy colony and realize what it was. She felt betrayed, and she was not a happy woman, according to her, for seven years being in there. But one day before uh, the seven-year so-called ministry contract was due, and my father already gotten uh, a, a senior pastor position in one of the big church in Busan, Korea, and everything was packed. I remember uh, being uh, either six or seven years old, the, the truck was all packed with our goods and ready to go. And I remember seeing my father and my mother saying farewell to the elders of the leprosy colony uh, members. When I was, and somehow I noticed that we never moved. And I asked my mother when I was in high school in the United States, hey, mom, back then, when I was six, seven years old, I remember that we were all packed, ready to go. How come we never moved? And he said, well... The night before, I had a dream. For the first time in my life, I saw the cross so bright, and I didn't know what it meant. And then when I stood in front of those lepers, saying goodbyes, that's when I realized it was the Holy Spirit gently reminding me, this is where you still belong. And she looked at my father and said, for the last seven years, I did not want to be here in front of these elders and deacons of that church. But I want to, now, that, now I want to serve here for another seven years, if you will. So they end up staying there for another seven years. When you have that conviction that comes from the Holy Spirit, that's living your life on a solid ground. Jesus also said, come to me, and I will give you rest. Jesus beckoning for you to come, for you to come to him, because he promised that he will give you the rest. And this just happened uh, last week. Our um, pastor David is on a um, 
uh, ministry uh, uh, invitation to another church. He's not here today, and uh, he tells me the story that he's having a life that is challenging, difficulty, uh, family situations, the separation, and it's just causing him lots of agony and so forth. And on top of that, he had financial challenges. And on top of that, his car broke down. And, 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 and his car requires a total, complete overhaul of the transmission costing several thousand dollars. And he didn't have any money whatsoever to do so. He can't get around to his work, can't really come to the church. And he said he was in sort of in tears as to not knowing as to what to do. Then when he was standing in front of one of the local bank, asking the teller as to his situation, and then there was a text message from church where our church related that someone in our congregation has donated enough money to fix his transmission. He was totally in awe. He told me on Wednesday, this past in the prayer meeting, he says, excuse me, uh, the bank teller, I need to go and praise my God. He said he went to the corner of the bank and just praised God. And then I asked him, what was your state of mind? And he says, oh, even though I was strapped, even though I was in a difficult position, one thing that I did was to rest in him. I came to Jesus once again. I just simply rested, knowing that he will take care of all the matters. And when that text message came, it was a confirmation, it was affirmation that God is still looking after him. When you rest, even the challenges you may face, when you can rest in Jesus, that's building your life on a solid ground. Therefore, wise man building his house on a solid ground isn't just about the house, but more importantly, it's about life. We are to build a life on solid ground. Life is about others. Life is about helping, loving our neighbors as yourself, which means to be able to sacrifice for our neighbors because that's what Jesus did. He sacrificed his life. And that is why we are all here. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much.